Hello, my name is Brian Martin and you are listening to episode two of season two of the Running Technique Tips podcast. And I'm now joined by my co-host from Sydney, Lisa Biffin. How are you going, Lisa? Oh, I'm going well. I'm in the bit of the, you know, that pre-Christmas madness and everything seems to be urgent and needs to be done and then Christmas comes and you get to relax. So I'm uh, I'm living the moment in the, the chaos that is city living. Chaos of city li- living and Christmas. Personally, I think Christmas should be banned. I'm a bit of a Grinch. I'm, I'm not really into Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I, I actually really like Christmas, and but just that that stress that I don't know what it is. I don't know whether you feel it in Ballarat, but there's like this level of tension that just escalates the week or so before where, you know, people think, I haven't seen you all year. I need to catch up with you or, you know, this work's due and it it has to be done today. Um, So juggling a little bit of that at the moment. But apart from that, I'm I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm Mm. really loving my gym that I'm doing. I'm starting to feel quite lean. I'm getting back into that motivated state. Um, so I'm I'm actually in a good place. This is good. Always be happy to be in a good be in a good place. <laughs> I'm not sure quite what, what place I'm in at the moment. I think it might be in a, a place of semi confusion, given I'm in this process of um, uh, analysing and tinkering around with my running technique again, which is yeah. Uh, well, I still haven't done my plan. Uh, I know that uh, you actually have beaten me to this, uh, you know, writing that nice plan of what was sort of next. And I've, I've kept, continued to like pen things on pieces of paper. And then the last time we spoke, I'd thrown up that curveball of potentially doing the New York half marathon in March. But finally have a bit of resolution on that. We're not doing that now. And, you know, my focus was going to be the 5K track, but I still haven't quite got in that desire to train hard back yet and look it it may come but I'm actually just thoroughly enjoying like I'm going to the gym like three to four times a week and not massive sessions you know 30 minutes at a time I did Pilates today and it's a completely different type of fitness and I'm really enjoying that that switch at the moment so I haven't quite getting strong again getting uh... strong so did a Pilates class today and look I highly recommend this for all runners and I really love the Pilates classes on the machines but this was actually Matt Pilates it was so hard like I'm not much of a sweater, but I was drenched in a pool of sweat. This teacher, look, I had a bit of a teacher crush too, I think. She was amazing. She was flexible but strong. And I just thought, you're my new idol. Like, how do I, how do I become like you? So, uh, I think By I've doing lots new- of Pilates and sweating, apparently. <laughs> But it was so good. I hope you, hope you wiped your mat down because, oh, you know, yeah, no. <laughs> e- etiquette would dictate that if you're a sweaty mess, you should clean oh, up. <laughs> no, definitely did. But uh, do you know what? It really highlighted like the massive amounts of weaknesses and inadequacies just in the body. And, you know, we're not doing in Pilates, it's not huge movements and, and big weights. Like they're just very subtle movements, but especially mm. focused on like your core, your hips and your glute, which is obviously a very beneficial thing for running. And and I couldn't even do 10 repetitions of some exercises. So I thought to myself, I've got a bit of work to do. 
Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sort of at the mindset, we'll, you know, introduce a bit more running. But if I can get um, what my uh, massage therapist calls my chassis, my, you know, my chassis, my, my hips, <laughs> and yeah. that, you know, that core region strong, then yeah. I honestly think the benefit that I'm going to get from that, it will translate into, you know, faster times more than going out and, you know, trying to basically slog around the athletics track at the moment. So. And you you went and saw your amazing physio and she has adjusted you somehow into a slightly better alignment. Like talk me through how that went down. Well, so I actually put in an emergency email to her because I think Help I- Help me, I'm broken. <laughs> yeah, I'd mentioned I, I attempted to do that failed fartlek session and I just, I thought everything was going to basically fall out. My insides were just in the wrong spot. So I went and saw her and she's so amazing. Like you just sort of stand in front of her and she has this amazing ability to look at you holistically. So even though I'd said to her that, you know, when I'm running, I'm getting a sore pelvis, she just saw straight away that that my shoulder had dropped and my hip had dropped and I was tilted and twisted and bent all around in the, the wrong spot, basically. You were, a, you were a pretzel, basically, after the marathon. <laughs> oh, and her comment actually was, was, I'm not even sure where to start. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, look, I, I had I'd done a fair bit of damage running the marathon off not being well, which you know, I didn't really need anyone to tell me that I could feel it in my body. But the main thing that was causing me so many issues was that my pelvis had tilted forward, but it also twisted a little bit. And so I was just unable to get, I guess, the rest of me in a, in a nice sort of movement pattern. Um, and so she worked on me for an hour. And honestly, I had immediate relief. I, I got up and I didn't have that pressure sitting on my pelvis anymore. I was able to walk freely, uh, but I had a really sore lower back for about four or five days after. So I, uh, I think I only ran, I ran once with you, but we were doing our technique tweaking. I, I did a very gentle run on the Sunday. So um, it, it's actually a week ago today when I saw my amazing physio and my body is finally feeling like it's good to go again. So, you know, I think it was a, a pretty big reminder of just how brutal the marathon can be. And that, you know, not respecting the distance, the event, the training, you know, the psychological stresses that go with it can probably leave you (laughs) in a worse, you know, worse situation. So um, I think that's why I've got that motivation back knowing that, you know, I've sort of ticked all these boxes, the rest and the rehabilitation, and now finally all systems go. I think we've both come out of the marathon um, licking our wounds a little bit (laughs) to some extent. So (laughs) hopefully we can um, get on top of it the next time around and uh, begin to show some level of mastery over that event. But yes, yeah, definitely. But um, what have you been up to? I've actually seen you in person for for once. I have. I invaded your hometown of Sydney um, last week, which you was mean, you got to experience the chaos. I did. I got to experience a bit of bit of Sydney chaos. Um, yeah, it was great. So, yeah, as we mentioned last time, the plan was to yeah, a catch up with with family. So, I got to see uh, my sister and her husband and niece and nephew. So, yeah tagged along and did a few uh, kids activities and see some see a basketball game and a cricket game so that was really good and wow, um, welcome to the life of children and fitting <laughs> everything in 
yeah, I'm not sure quite how how people do it, but it, it was nice to be a be a spectator um, in that in that whole um, child rearing enterprise for a short period of time. But equally, I was happy to leave it behind as well. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, obviously great to catch up with you and JT and the kids. Um, and, yeah, the other part of the mission to Sydney was to go and see a couple of people and one of those was um, uh, Keith Bateman, who, um, as we mentioned last time, is a super speedy 50-something-year-old world record holder over a number of distances, including the 10K, and running technique coach. So, yeah, you and I landed. Where did we land? Where, where, which beach were we just on? We were at Coogee, beautiful. Coogee, yes, very nice down at, down at Coogee. And, um, yeah, we, we arrived down there and, and Keith sauntered down from – he must live close by. <laughs> and he was barefoot, of course, so uh, he just <laughs> – Kind of padded down like the like the athletic panther that he is from his apartment, and met us down there um, at the at the park just inside the beach there at Coogee, and yeah, proceeded to put it put us through our paces for about an hour. Doesn't he move well? He does move well. Yes, yes, he does. Um, he he is he is an elite mover. There's no doubt about that. So. <laughs> and and you know, I think you you mentioned as well. Um, it was it was just good fun catching up with him because he was just so a friendly but b passionate yeah. um, about what he does in terms of um, his running coaching. So yeah, he was uh, he cut a very relaxed figure as he um, he sauntered down to meet us um, for our running technique session. So uh, whatever he's doing, it's agreeing with him. Yeah, oh, I know. So I'm a little bit envious, but uh, look, definitely I've got a lot to work on, which I'm sure we'll get into detail in shortly. Yeah, should we do that? Like, yeah, maybe, let's do it. Maybe, I know we're, we've this season was um, ostensibly supposed to be a bit of five k training, but. I feel like we're going to have to hijack that for a few weeks to talk about the, <laughs> this, these technique elements. Um, and uh, that might seem like a long way around for 5K, but it's actually for running a fast 5K, having good technique is um, probably, I would say, relatively more important than um, for running and completing a marathon, for example. Mm. Um, not to say that good technique isn't important in the marathon as well, but when you're looking at these faster, shorter events, your technique can be a limiting factor a little bit faster than your fitness overall. No, I agree. As I was kind of speculating, I was going to be pretty interesting to have a coaching session with Keith. I've, I've read his book, so if anyone's interested in finding out what he does um, during a coaching session, if you read his book and then have a look at the accompanying videos, you will basically have a good idea of what Keith put both you and I through our paces on. Um, so he gets you doing a range of exercises and then gives you a number of little what I call mental cues to try and elicit particular physical responses in addition to observing, taking some video, giving you some feedback on what he sees isn't and isn't working well. Does that kind of sum it up reasonably from your perspective, Lisa, or did I miss anything? No, no, that was that was pretty much it. But it was actually nice that, you know, the the first thing that Keith did was really just, just get out and just run, like just, you know, run as if you were jogging around the block and really set that baseline from the beginning uh, before really leaping into too much theory, which yeah. I thought was quite a nice thing to do because I think, you know, for me, I haven't had a technique tweak for 
maybe 10 or so years when you did the last one and you sort of get into a bit of a, oh, look, I'm running pretty well. Uh, I'm sure there's nothing much to change. (laughs) And then you see the evidence and then you start to go through the drills and, uh, yeah, my mindset was changed a little bit. And, look, I should mention that we we both did the entire coaching session barefoot as well, uh, which is a, which is a, a different stimulus even um, on its own. Um, and then, yeah, we did the did the exercises and and the drills and did a bit of running as well. So I must admit, by the end of this session, uh, my um, my calves were my calves were feeling it a little bit from uh, oh, yeah. from that barefoot running. Mine too, and my Achilles, which is actually what Keith had said mm-hmm. that you know, due to I guess the, the change in foot placement and then um, you know doing the, the running barefoot and I wouldn't say that we ran a, a huge distance I think Keith had uh, I did measure him but I didn't maybe about 2k's but that was I think the longest distance we ran was maybe what two or three hundred meters in one go if that yeah I think so I think so we did a couple of little little laps of the uh, the little park that we were on yeah and at times we were actually probably moving quite quickly as well mm. um i didn't really track that but um felt like we were probably going at faster than four minute k pace or faster than six minute miling um at various stages of the session um as we were trying different things out so um yeah that was good so yeah uh, it was a workout actually i just want to mention yep. uh that just from making the tweaks and having to think about it. I was mentally exhausted. <laughs> Me too. Afterwards. Me too. I just thought, wow, this has taken up so much brain power for my body to compute because, like, you know, running and walking is meant to be a natural thing and you, you yep. have a natural movement pattern. Yeah. And then to actually, like, cognitively try and change that. Yeah. Oh, I felt really wiped. Yeah. Yeah, it is a very high cognitive load, Um trying to change your your basic movement pattern so yeah as well yeah my brain was pretty fried afterwards um it's another reason why you know if you're going down the the technique tweaking pathway you kind of do it uh you want to be doing it for good reasons so yeah you're getting injured all the time or um that's probably the main one but um yeah or you Performance, if you're interested in performance, there's obviously a few other things that we've talked about that you can kind of look at before technique tweaking because it's not for the faint-hearted. It's pretty hard work. (laughs) It is. It's really hard work. But do you want to go through your results? Yeah. Look, I I, I won't go too deep into this. So what I'm actually going to do is get Keith um, probably for the next episode to talk me through his feedback so we kind of get it. Um, from the horse's mouth, um, but I did want to mention like a couple of things that he picked up that I thought were interesting. And yeah, we obviously had Kevin looking at my technique in the last episode, and I think Keith sort of identified some fairly similar things. So there was a little bit of overstriding going on. And the other thing that uh, uh, Keith picked up that I thought was interesting was um, my, my my head has a tendency to um, drop forwards um, and especially when I'm thinking about technique I start looking down at the ground so I've just got to be quite mindful of um, keeping my eyes up sort of trying to keep my my eye line sort of more level to the horizon so that was kind of a that was kind of a nice pickup as well. And I think you were having a look at some of my photos and you noticed that, noticed that too. Uh, yeah, I don't actually know how it's possible to ha- have the <laughs> flexibility to even poke your neck forward that far, to be honest. I'm trying to do it now. And yeah, I'm- <laughs> probably um, 
20 plus years of sitting in front of computers probably hasn't helped my overall posture in that regard. So, uh, no. yeah, my head is not particularly well aligned with my my spine in general, I don't think, so I've got a bit of a tendency to kind of thrust it forward. So you need to try to and imagine few, that. Yeah, I need to do a few lessons with my old ballet teacher that yeah, actually that's walked right. around with a cane and I think yep. if I'm ever slouching, I feel like I've just got her in the back of my head, you know, posture, Yes, and you <laughs> shoulders could- back, <laughs> chin up. And it's that cue about sort of imagining someone pulling your head up or with a cord, yeah. like, you know, yeah. that piece of string. And, yeah, I, I probably need to go and see a – I don't know if you've ever, ever heard about the Alexander technique, but that that sort of, you know, body alignment and movement I think is a pretty core component of that as well. Um, so I might I might actually investigate that because I do happen to know an Alexander technique teacher that I met when I was working at the university. So yeah. she No, might, I she, haven't heard about that actually. It goes back a long way. Um probably to the turn of the last century almost, I think. I think he's actually a Tasmanian guy, Alexander. But, yeah, I won't go too far into that because I'll probably start getting it wrong. Um, but I, I remember reading a book about Percy Serity and he was obviously the coach of Herb Elliott who uh, won the 1500 metres at the Rome 1960 Olympics. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of pretty interested in running and technique and movement patterns and he was quite interested in this guy Alexander and the Alexander technique. I remember reading that in uh, in a book about Percy Serity and his training methods. So it's kind of interesting how you get these little overlaps as you, as you sort of work your way through these things. So anyway, getting away from my Alexander technique segue, <laughs> getting off track, getting off track again, Brian. I think, look, uh, yeah, as, as I said, I won't spoil Keith's thunder um, too much, but Another couple of interesting things were I kind of like the way that Keith coaches because he does do this notion of throwing a different exercise or movement cue at you Mm. Um, and he's got a number of different kind of cues and exercises that he's trying to get a specific response from and he's not too fussy about which one actually delivers that response um, so it sort of gives you three or four different ways to arrive at the same destination might be the best way of explaining it um, yeah which was great because you and I both had completely different cues hmm. that we felt worked for us yes. um, you know, I enjoyed this cue where I sort of looked behind to be able to get myself to land in the right spot mm-hmm. and uh, I think um, I can't remember did you like the spinning one I kind of on your life now, not really. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a couple of pretty left field ones, and the the spinning and looking behind you were probably two good examples of those. But um, if yeah. you if you want to have a look at those again, yeah, grab grab the book and you can um, uh, you can see those in action, and also in the videos that go with that. So yeah, they're definitely ones that. Um, <laughs> you want to be in a nice clear space so you don't trip over or run into anyone. Um, Actually, it's funny you say that. So well, I did my Pilates, like I said today, and I just, it's 700 metres from my front door and I thought, oh, I'm just going to run up there. Yep. And uh, I was running on the road and I thought, oh, just, you know, check your technique, Lisa. It looked behind me and I think I was millimetres away from running into a <laughs> yeah. car's revision mirror. <laughs> yeah, maybe don't, don't do that one unless you're out on the middle of an oval or something. And I had a chuckle because I thought, oh, I'd I was told to just make sure I was, you know, in a clear space when yes. I did this. <laughs> yes. I think he even had us running with our eyes closed at one point. Which, oh, that's um, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we did do that. Um, which was interesting. And, uh, yeah, look, Keith's overall kind of philosophy is trying to find this optimal balance point and alignment point. And I think, you know, playing around 
with putting you in and out of balance is like a large part of what his cues and sort of coaching session was about. So, you know, there's a lot of sort of leaning back, leaning forward and just trying to find that sweet spot where um, uh, you're in you're in an optimal sport, optimal position to um, exert, I would describe it as being able to put optimal amounts of pressure through the ground and also load um, all of the appropriate um, structures like your, you know, your foot, your Achilles, hamstrings, um, etc. So, um, yeah, I kind of like the idea of that finding finding a nice balance point. No, I liked that one too. So, what about you? What did what did you kind of take away from from that session, Lisa? Apart from a sore Achilles? Yeah, do you know what? <laughs> it was a really interesting one because I had gone down pretty much for moral support for for yourself, yes. and I look at something that I'm interested in and was more than happy to just observe. And I guess, you know, absorb what um, Keith had to say, but he was kind enough to let me participate as well. So, um, so first of all, thank you for that. That was really nice. And it was just a bit of a, like a wake up call to make yourself go, well, sometimes you can actually fall back into old habits and they may not be as like as aggressive as they once were, um, mm. but it doesn't mean that you can't improve on it. And I was probably a, in a bit of a headspace of, well, you know what, I've been running really well. I haven't really been injured apart from that little ITB, which was, um, you know, at that point I had thought, oh, well, like, you know, it's really just because of all these Ks. But then getting the like the photographic evidence which you know being such a visual person has made me really go wow like there is some really subtle changes that i can make that i know will have mm. an enormous impact on my results so um it's it's given me a massive wake up call is probably the main message from it and yeah. Um, I had said a few times that I'd let let the strength work go mm. as part of my marathon program. We both did that. We were both guilty of that. And do you know you know the saying, pictures tell a thousand words? Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that screams out to me with the, my results. And, you know, I, I was previously a bit of an overstrider and, and, and very toey and I still land on my, on my toes, but that's come down quite a lot. But the major sort of call out was that my landing of my right foot had sort mm. of headed back into that overstriding pattern. My left foot was pretty good. Yeah. And then, you know, that result was really just loading my quads and I guess mm. then the pressure on the knee because I'd really let that strength work go. So my my hip and my glute mm. wasn't as strong as basically what it could be. So your and overstriding leg was the same one that you got your knee pain on, was that right? Correct, and the oh, one that okay. I've had the hip surgery on. There you go. And, you know, when you actually just take a second step back and get over yourself a little bit, maybe get out of your own way mm-hmm. <laughs> and say, like you know, let, let's have a look at this. You can really see that um, you know, we've all got some improvements that yep. we can make. So I actually enjoyed it because that's now probably put even more fire in my belly to get into the gym yep. and sort of say, well, let's focus on this. Forget about counting Ks or you know, mm. saying you run sessions in a certain amount of time. Fix this issue, and the rest will look after itself. So what you're going to do is probably focus on getting stronger and just trying to perhaps correct that asymmetry that you've identified. Is that yeah. is that sort of pretty much a good summary of where, where you're going from here? Exactly. So if I can get the – well, I will get the strength back in my hip and my glute, which will then enable me – I just have a couple of cues and, as I said, look, so that looking behind me, if you – 
if you just try this home, if you look behind you whilst you're jogging without a car that's in front of you. Don't try um, this at home. (laughs) It's actually pretty much impossible to overstride and it was a really nice cue for me to get that feeling of, ah, that's where my foot needs to land because, you know, when you go into your normal movement pattern, and you like it feels right, yep. um, and so when you actually alter that and you place your your foot or whatever in in the pattern where it's supposed to be, it actually feels quite foreign. Yep. So it's actually learning, retraining your body to make that foreign feeling be the comfortable normal feeling, the new normal. Yeah, the new normal exactly. So, and I just feel though that by doing that strengthening it's actually going to bring that new normal back into feeling sort of better and more comfortable purely because I'll have the strength and I won't revert back to, well, I'll overstride because, you know, I I haven't got the strength or the movement to be able to land and take that full load on my right side. And I think the strength work generally just is a bit of a a tune-up, like it it pretty much tightens you up and (laughs) probably keeps you moving in a better range of motion and obviously with with muscles that are a little bit more springy uh, and and able to carry that that tension and give you a bit more elastic recoil as well so mm-hmm. so you're probably going to feel a bit um a bit stronger and able to, able to implement that little little change easily as a result of the the strength work yeah so look I, i'm really excited by it and i'm really keen to focus quite a lot over the next few weeks on the strength work and just do some easy running that is predominantly around getting those movement patterns, um, as you say, feeling like they're the new norm and then actually having another stream of pictures taken to see whether or not I've been able to implement that or if at least it's on the improve. Yeah, that sounds good. And look, the other takeaway that I had was, and this is possibly going to do your head in, (laughs) is... I've kind of, you know, I've played around a lot with my own technique sometimes to my own cost (laughs) and I've probably got a couple of different sort of base patterns that I can use when I'm running. Um, One of those is probably more closely aligned to that butt kick drill that we were talking about. Uh, I really like that one, yeah. And the other one is probably closer or similar to the A march or A skip drill. So I've kind of got these two like schemes of running in my mind that I can roll out and I tried them both and got Keith's feedback on which one he thought looked better and um, it was interesting that he, I think he actually thought that the the second one, the the one that in my head is more similar to the A, a march or A skip um, was probably giving me a slightly better result, at least based on his feedback. So, so yeah, a bit of where to from here. I actually plan to film myself on the treadmill trying out these two schemes of running and also with some different footwear choices, um, including barefoot, um, and just see what is looking, looking best um, out of those two movement patterns um, and with various footwear options. And once I've done that and a, had a look at it myself and B, got some feedback from some other people, I'll probably then commit to go, well, okay, in this this next little block, I'm going to predominantly move this way because that's the one that looks and feels like it's most closely aligned to um, to good movement patterns, good running techniques. So that's kind of my challenge from here is to just sort of nail that down a little bit 
so I can run without confusion about which way might be best. Yeah. Actually, I, I forgot to add as well that when making these changes and look, the, the small tweaks that I'm looking to do are not big ones, but I already pulled up sore. I think I sent you a message to say that I had a bit of a sore Achilles uh, after one of the runs. So I, I just really want listeners to tread really carefully. Like changing your technique is not something that you decide to do one week, but then you do it during a full load of training. No, definitely uh, not. Because you were just stepping into the risk of injury and, you know, having this flexible approach that we've got at the moment where the number one goal is to move properly uh, rather than, you know, rack up weeks and weeks of training. Like I said, you know, I had that sore Achilles and I had to take a couple of days off. It's feeling better now, but, you know, it would have been quite irresponsible to just keep training on top of that. Yeah, definitely. And look, my, my last couple of weeks have basically looked like three to four days of um, 30 to 40-minute run-walk sessions. So I haven't even added up what Ks I'm covering at the moment, but it's probably going to be – I'd be lucky to be doing about 16 kilometres a week, I reckon, um, <laughs> at the minute. So um, uh, having a very light volume definitely reduces your risk of hurting yourself when you're playing around with, with techniques. So, yeah. yeah, there's no way I'd be trying to do anywhere not even half my normal training load at the moment. Um, no. Well, my training load last week was 24 kilometres, but that was a combination of walk running. Yeah. So I think about seven or eight Ks of that was walking. Yeah. Um, a couple of Ks was our session with Keith, <laughs> which was walk running as well, and then the rest was just super easy jogging of six-minute plus Ks an hour. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah, and uh, like you, I've been hitting the gym, which has been really good. I've been, again, sort of focusing on quite short sessions, a bit like you. So, yeah, the last session I did, I was actually only in there for 15 minutes. So, literally walked into gym, did a couple of warm-up squat sessions and then did did the main set, did some dips, did some pull-ups. Um, I think I did some barbell curls. What else did I do? Um, that was pretty much it. So, like, and it actually felt like enough. Like, when I walked out of there, I, I know I'd... I know I'd done a decent workout because I put a decent amount of weight on the bar when I was doing my squats. So I think I got about 10 reps out. And what I'm probably going to do is um, I'll keep adding adding weight to that and just do kind of like a single main set for most of those exercises and eventually probably get to the point where um, I'm a lot stronger um, and be able to move with a little bit more speed and power and probably arrive at a point where I would sort of max out at about sort of six to eight reps of of, of an exercise like the like the barbell squat at least. Mm, which is a really, mm. um, I think, difficult concept for, you know, traditional distance runners to understand, like only doing six reps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when often more is the what they want to do. But yeah. Um, yeah, like how heavy are you talking here? Because I'm not someone yeah. who – uh, I guess he's someone that's done gym a lot and I really go to classes like these Pilates. So if I was to walk into the gym and it was just me and the weights, yep. I probably wouldn't know what to do. Yeah, it's. I, th- I think I'm at about 50 kilos at the moment. Um, mm. I have to double check exactly what the bar weighs in this new gym that I've joined. So they've got an Olympic bar, but they look or it feels like it's not quite as heavy as the Olympic bar that I was using um, at the previous gym that I was at. So I'll double check with the owner next time I'm there and find out how much that weighs. But um, yeah, probably not 
not far shy of about 50 kilos at the moment. And, and like I weigh about 75 kilos, so that's not huge in terms of my body weight. And probably my goal as I work my way along will be to get to the point where I can actually squat my own body weight. And, and I don't do super deep squats. So, you know, some people would probably look at that, look at me and go, probably I'd probably get my thighs down to about the horizontal, I reckon. And that's about as far as I can go safely. And I don't feel like I need to go any deeper than that to build strength and to have sort of relevance for running because you don't kind of put your bum right on the ground when you're running <laughs> anyway. So, um, from a functional perspective, I'm pretty comfortable with sort of getting down to about thighs horizontal and yeah then just sort of pushing up out from that from that position so but yeah really enjoying the squat in particular it's been a while since I've done it but I can really feel it working my quads and my hamstrings and my glutes um, and your core as well because because you've got to maintain good posture through your spine you've really got to switch on all of your um, your core muscles because you've got that you're carrying that weight on your torso and if you kind of slacken off and and let you let your core go a bit bit floppy. Um, there's a good chance you're going to hurt your back. So you've really got to um, focus on maintaining um, that kind of strength through your through your torso as you're squatting. So yeah, mm. it's a good all body all round body workout. And what about recovery from gym? So like you've just done that heavy weight session. Would you go again the next day and do something completely different or complete rest? What what's the um, yeah, recovery I, on it? I think at the moment. My body is telling me that the next day would be out of the question. Two days after wouldn't be a good idea as well, <laughs> but maybe on the third day. So I would need at the moment at least probably uh, three days recovery, I think, between sessions. That might change. I, I think because I haven't done any gym for a while, uh, my body's sort of still in a little bit of shock dealing with it. But I suspect because I'm not doing these massive sessions that over time I'll probably be able to do three sessions a week and I do kind of plan to change them up slightly like I'm going to alternate once I feel like I'm ready I'm going to start doing some deadlifting as well I don't kind of feel ready or strong enough to jump into that one right now but once I am I'll probably do squats one day and then do deadlifting um, on another day so um, yeah we'll change it around slightly um, the upper body stuff probably won't change that much I'll, I'll do some do some pull-ups and do some dips, um, do some push-ups, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just all mm. really basic things. Do you have any, like, photos or videos or points of reference on the website uh, so people can see how to do those exercises properly? Oh, look, they're, they're, they're probably uh, on the top of my head. There's definitely some on running technique tips. I'll have to go and have a look. But, I, again, I've, I've sort of mentioned this before sometimes reluctant to put myself forward as a good model for <laughs> for moving or doing certain things. Um, yeah, A, because I'm not probably not super coordinated and I suspect I've got slightly quirky anatomy in some <laughs> in some segments. So, um, yeah, there's, there's probably a danger in looking at anyone and going, oh, there's a perfect model for doing a squat or um, any kind of movement. So, yeah, I'd sort of be hesitant to go look at me, that's the right way to do it because, A, it might not be 100% right. Um, but yeah, it might, you doing it, you might actually look slightly differently, um, because of your anatomy and the, and your level of coordination and strength. So, um, everyone will look kind of slightly different when they're doing something like a, like a squat, a bit like running, you know, there's, mm, yeah. there's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, like a, an average or a mean, and then there's sort of variations around that. Um, depending on who it is, but yeah, I'll I'll do some homework on that during the week and see what I can come up with, and if I can I can find something that doesn't look 
too um, too bad. I'll uh, link that up to the up to the show notes. Okay, good. The Kira project is proceeding. Ah, oh, it's your little child prodigy. <laughs> That's right. It's proceeding well. So, um, is she improving better than you and I? Yeah, she. Uh, <laughs> she, she I was actually uh, re- reflecting um, on this with her with her dad last night. I was sort of saying, "Well, yeah, look after after like two sessions, she was looking pretty good." So, and then I mentioned when we were last talking about it that I had to be careful not to. Um, kind of overcoach because she was now moving fairly well um and yeah in last night's session we um we didn't really change too much it was just kind of minor tweaking and mainly around the arms actually um yeah kira and i share um quirky arm swing technique so um we've both been working on that while we've been doing these coaching sessions um so yeah not too much further tweaking from here but what we did do in the last session was um sort of practice doing some sort of some accelerations and i think if you're sort of in the in the track slash sprinting world you'd you'd probably call those flies so we're kind of doing these things we're sort of jogging and then hit a marker and then um, accelerate for about you know 20 20 meters or so and then just kind of jog for a bit so we just sort of practiced that a little bit um in the last session um and did a little bit of agility stuff just sort of getting her changing direction because she's a soccer player so yeah she's got to be able to accelerate um quickly but also to change direction as needed because um yeah it's not like running it's not a not a straight line sport (laughs) No, and and they've got to have a ball in there to do something with. I know, yeah, it's confusion of the ball thrown in there and other 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 soccer players and all of that. So, yeah, degree of difficulty is um, quite a bit higher. Did you want to hear a little bit of Kira now? I got, I got a little yeah, bit of audio. No. I'm um, interested to see how she's going along, actually. Yeah, so it's just just a couple of minutes of Kira now. So I'm here again with Kira. How was your week, Kira? It was great. That's good. What have you been up to? So I've done a few exercises, done my acrobatics. I've had a kick of a soccer ball sometime this week. I heard about your acrobatics. What, what were you doing there? So we were doing walkovers and running and stretching and jumps and flips. Awesome, like plyometrics. So did you get did you get a bit sore after that though? A little bit, yeah, in my thighs and quads and glutes. Uh, sore quads. I'm familiar with that that um, phenomena. So, in terms of like stuff you've been practicing for your running, you've been doing your exercises. You mentioned. Yeah, when I can, usually after ac- acrobatics, I don't though because I've just done acro. So yeah. And how are they going? You mentioned last time we caught up that you were getting a little bit sore in the knees from some of those exercises. Is that still the case? Yeah, they're getting slowly better. They were better than last week, so that's good. Excellent, that's good. So, and overall, your knees are less sore than they were before. Yeah. And in terms of the running, even when you're doing your acrobatics, do you feel like you're moving a little bit better now? Yeah, I feel like I'm a lot faster than the other girls. Ah, awesome. Well, that sounds good. Well, today, what we're going to do is probably do just a little bit more actual running as opposed to like practicing drills and me giving you feedback on your technique. So, we'll just like try and practice some things to help you improve your speed so we'll do a few little short jogs and accelerations and depending on how we go after that we might use your dad as a witch's hat and um, get him get him to point um, 
point in different directions and we can sort of see how well that you change direction because I think when you're out there in the soccer pitch you're, you're probably like darting around and doing some diagonals and trying to chase the ball. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. So there's Kira. She's a character, isn't she? Mm. Oh, well, she um, sounds like she's coming along quite well, though. And how many sports does she do? She's an active little thing. (laughs) Kids these days, you know, it's just a constant stream of activity and sports. Um, Yes, it's not like um, uh, back when I was a boy. So, yeah, so she's definitely got a few things going on. She's got her acrobatics and her soccer seem like her kind of main things. Mm. Um, Yeah, she's moving well now and it was interesting her comments she's saying she felt like she was faster than some of the other girls now in the um when she was doing her acrobatics which is really good yeah so how many more sessions are you going to do with her one or two not that you know not everyone anyone can continue to improve but um i did sort of catch myself saying to her dad last night that my work here is almost done so (laughs) um at, at this point she probably doesn't need a whole lot more modification. So what we're going to do is probably a couple more um, pure running sessions and, and we're actually going to go and find a hill, a hill for the next one um, and get that get a little bit of hill running done just to kind of help her with her um, power. Uh, so I, I think a bit of hill running would be a nice thing to do at this point because it, it won't add any further confusion, but it might um, stimulate a little bit more improvement, um, a little bit more strength and fitness. So um yeah, that's probably where we're going to go from here. But, yeah, so far it's been, it's been an outrageous success. Yeah, that's good. Well, maybe you found your forte in technique coaching as opposed to being the actual runner. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was always better at coaching running than <laughs> or running technique than, than actually doing it myself. That much is definitely certain. Oh, good. Oh, well, it's it's good. You might have to pop up some, some footage or pictures or something of Kira from her before and after when you have finished your little sort of six-week coaching with yes, her. Yes, i definitely do that and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get – permission from her dad before I post anything up but um yeah we might be able to shoot up a couple of photos on the Instagram I think I sent you one last night of Kira and I doing uh doing some of the a skip drill together yeah, um yeah and I, I don't I have to say that we we look pretty athletic I reckon we didn't look too yeah. bad yeah we did it looks really good we left the ground we, we yeah. were defying gravity <laughs> oh, dear, uh, funny good. I looked like that when I was running I was just... <laughs> There's quite a few minutes off your marathon PB. Oh yeah. man, if I, if I look like I look like Mo <laughs> Farah for like one stride. <laughs> oh, we can all dream. Uh, we can, we can. The other thing that I did while I was in Sydney, Lisa, was to catch up with Tom DeCanto, the, the, yeah. the sports podiatrist that we had on a number of episodes ago now. I can't remember exactly which one, but we, um, we were talking about sort of loading and offloading particular running injuries by messing around with your shoe drop. So, yeah, it was, it was good to kind of go and see Tom because I hadn't done a lot with podiatrists in the past and I was kind of keen to get his feedback both on my running itself but also just what's going on with with my freaky foot <laughs> and and lower limb because um, yeah we talked a little bit about, about your freaky foot and Tom's still waiting for you actually to turn up at his <laughs> at his clinic um, I, I, I think, don't want to scare him <laughs> no, he's, well you know he's, he's got that kind of you know professional interest so uh, yeah that's true well even Keith made a comment he was like oh have you bruised your toenails like, no no I don't have any toenails so I had to paint over them <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um, anyway when you when you listen to to Tom Tom and I had a 
like a dis- quite a long discussion actually about all sorts of things. But um, yeah, he, during that, he, he's still pretty keen to see your foot. I, I think you can see a journal paper or something um, coming out of that. So what we did was um, basically start out by yeah, Tom just kind of having a look at my feet in various postures and doing a, f- a few different things. And um, the kind of key takeaways was <laughs> I've always known I've had quite a high arch um, in my foot. Um, and yeah, when, 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 when there's no weight on the arch, it looks quite high. Um, and Tom got me to do this thing where I basically just put weight on my foot. Um, and at that point, your arch is supposed to flatten out a little bit, um, which is part of that kind of loading um, that we've been talking about. And, but when I put load on my arch, it, it almost actually gets higher. <laughs> so, so I've got quite a, a stiff. How is that possible? I don't know. Yeah. Look, you know, we'd, we'd have to ask Tom, but, um, the peculiarities of my foot anatomy basically uh, led Tom to conclude, and it, it rang fairly true for me, that my foot is its quite a, a strong and stable foot, but it's a very stiff and inflexible foot. Um, and that, that definitely rings true for me because it does feel like I, I have a bit of difficulty trying to load my foot and Achilles when I run to any kind of, you know, useful effect. And, yeah, that, that kind of um, uh, lack of the ability of the foot to flatten. Um, and I was also my foot was actually quite immobile in terms of the various sort of joints um, within the foot as well. So not a lot of mobi- mobility in my foot. Whilst I'm probably not going to sprain my ankle or anything anytime soon, um, the price of that is that sort of lack of mobility. And, yeah, we had an interesting kind of conversation about the consequences of what that might be in my running. Um, mm. At this stage, Tom actually hasn't had a had a look at me me running yet. So I actually saw him on the same day that we saw Keith. So I was just mentally and physically tapped out. So I wasn't wasn't up to running um, when I caught up with Tom. So we ju- we just had a conversation. But what I'm going to do when I get that footage um, that I mentioned earlier is send that to Tom to have a look at, and then he can kind of see what he discerned from my foot and how much of that, um, if anything, translates into into my overall running biomechanics. So it'll be pretty interesting to get his feedback um, when we when we get to that point. You're in a bad way. <laughs> well, I've, I've always known that I'm a, a, a bit different and, yeah, I, I guess these uh, little investigations are just sort of showing, you know, where I've got a couple of, couple of challenges and I've probably sorted out over the years, like got a lot more stable and stronger up at the hips, but, um, yeah, I hadn't paid as much attention to what was going on down at the foot level. And, look, there's not – I did ask Tom about this um, – in the conversation, which um, if if you want to really sort of nerd out on it, it's actually – I found it interesting, but I'm, I'm a running technique nerd and I really like it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of interesting to um, just talk to Tom about the consequences of my slightly weird um, feet. Um, and he was sort of making the point that, yeah, generally with feet like mine that cushioning would be a good thing. Um, and he's also saying because they're quite stable um, and strong feet that my – proposed strategy of going in a zero drop cushion shoe like the ultra that I've been doing with running in was actually probably a reasonable step to take. So he didn't think I was um, sort of barking up the wrong tree on on that approach. But you probably, when I run barefoot, it does feel like um, uh, my foot doesn't load as well as it 
could, um, hence why it probably feels more comfortable um, even when I'm running in a flat shoe to be in one that has a little bit more cushioning in it for me. I think uh, 2019 is just a rebuild for you. I'm not sure whether you're even going to get to race by the sounds of it. No, well, look, I'm actually still pretty confident that I will and I think both both you and I are probably going to struggle to get ourselves together for a 5K track race over the summer. Um, but I feel like we could have some kind of face-off at Park Run. Yeah, um, yeah. Whether we do that in person or um, we just compare time somewhere. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's a good idea. Actually, I'm not sure I can. I physically can't face the track at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you've and you've got to be mentally up for it for the track mm. um, as well as physically. So, so yeah, if we don't get there for the for the five k track challenge, we'll we'll definitely do some five k at Park Run. And yeah, sort of once I, I sort of previously found when I was messing around with this kind of stuff that once you got it, once you were comfortable with the way that you're moving, you could actually build up. Um, and I think I mentioned um, that it took me about sort of 12 weeks of a 12-week training block to sort of run that that first really fast 5K of under 18 minutes that I did back after I did my initial remodel. So who knows, maybe if I can get my act together that I might be able to run somewhere near that sort of time again. At least that's that's my goal. Here's the plan. And if I, I do, still have to beat your PB. I so, know. Uh, if, I, if I do uh, that, maybe I, can, maybe I can hold you at bay. <laughs> The challenge is on. Yes. Maybe some listeners can get up there to a park run or a local 5K and put down the gauntlet as well uh, exactly. for their challenge, 5K challenge times. I have found, um, I've been listening to Marathon Talk and I've found um, Tom and his friends' 5, 5K park run challenge where they were kind of taking their fastest time each month and accumulating time over the course of the year. Quite hilarious. And yeah. <laughs> that's apparently all coming to a head now and whoever loses actually has to get a tattoo um, so I'm not sure I'm going to propose that you or I get a tattoo, but <laughs> it, there oh, no. maybe should be some reward or punishment. What do you think? Just to add a oh, bit of spice I, to it. <laughs> I think I think there should be. I'm, I'm going to put my thinking caps on, actually. What, my first thing that comes to mind is you have to take an adult ballet class. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'd settle for Alexander Technique, but I'm not sure about the ballet. Well, this could be my challenge. Yeah, definitely. yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Is there such a thing as adult ballet class? There are, actually. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, I might start searching in your local area. <laughs> Middle-aged men doing ballet. There's got to be a some kind of acronym like middle-aged <laughs> men in Lycra that, yeah. that sums up sums up that. But, yeah, look, there's lots of strange things out there, so I'm sure that's a thing as well. Oh, um, there definitely is. Yes. So, um, so where we're going to go from here, Lisa, is – after we talk about what we're doing for the next week, um, if you keep listening, you'll hear Tom and I having a uh, detailed discussion about my feet and shoe drop and various other things. Um, so I hope you find that interesting and uh, informative. And next week, I'm going to try and have that um, interview with Keith Bateman where we get a bit of feedback um, on our running technique um, and also probably talk a little bit about Keith's um coaching philosophy in his book and, and other bits and pieces to get some um, more insight on that. What about you, Lisa? What are you doing next week? Oh, it's, I've just got the craziest social calendar and it's not driven by me, it's driven by my children. So um, <laughs> there is just Christmas activities, concerts, performances, graduations, uh, so if I can get any type of training in around that, I will. Um, but it's it's a lot of the same. Get over this week and yep. uh, keep going to the gym 
and um, I'm, I've actually in my plan written that I'll officially start training, like running training and, and getting into it with a bit of a structure, uh, really that week of Christmas, so sort of from the 24th because off work, uh, we'll be away on holidays and we'll actually start to have some time back. Sounds good. And mm. my plan is to keep hitting the gym, keep squatting some heavier weight, uh, keep trying to do some chin-ups <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'll be continuing to walk run um, and yeah getting some getting some video of me um, on the treadmill um, so I can just sort of nail down what it is I'm going to do in this next little technique tweaking and rebuild phase mm, it's gonna be good yes I'm looking forward to it and uh, yes so is, is that a wrap I reckon that's a wrap I think it's a wrap. Let's hear from Tom. Let's hear what he has to say about your strange arches. Fantastic. You have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. We'll be talking to you again next week and stay tuned now for my conversation with Tom DeCanto after this. Take my shoes off because you're probably going to look at your feet. But, yeah, keep going with what you're saying about the... Um, Yeah, so just recent, more recent um, research, a couple of things have sort of come together to suggest that um, the braking force component, so it's like the shearing force, that most studies were looking at, and I think like the Harvard studies you mentioned last time we chatted about the... um, like loading rate and vertical reaction yep. force. Yeah. So this is the braking force, and not many studies have looked at it until again more recently. And so yeah. Anyway, so this this um this guy at the conference was talking about his research as well as some other recent research yep. about how it can actually be predictive of, yep. for novice runners, which are the, the at risk group is the novice runner to yep. get the most likely to get injured. So it was yeah really applicable to to these novice runners mm-hmm. uh, taking up a training program. The runners that had um, higher peak braking forces yep. were, were more likely to get injured. So, and then his follow-up study was on um, ways to um, reduce that, reduce that peak braking force. And so, what we, sort of interventions were they doing? Well, the nice thing for me clinically, yeah. which I already do, is yep. increasing cadence. Yep. So he found, yeah, yep. the he didn't he tell them to increase cadence. He just told the he actually did a visual feedback. So he yep. had like a, a real time. Uh, force feedback um, screen in front of them on the treadmill try and smooth out that or reduce that bump and they chose a strategy and one yeah. of them for, for most of them was increasing cadence they just yeah. naturally increased cadence yeah. and it reduced it so, reduced it yeah, um, yeah. yeah so for prevention now I'm thinking yeah, I'm, yeah. I might utilise that more if I see people that have like abnormally slow cadence yeah. um, and obviously as well if they're injured then yeah for sure yeah the cadence yeah. is an interesting one I reckon like it, I think I've read some other studies where it sort of demonstrates increasing cadence does help I'm not sure whether it was specifically with um, those peak braking forces, but yeah. it was helping with other stuff, other other injury. Yeah, they um, look at concerns. loading, loading yeah. in, in joints, and so increasing the cadence um, can. Um, yeah, and sometimes like giving someone like a different technique cue or something, or instructing them might actually naturally increase the cadence. Yeah. as well, so you can sort of yeah. like it's a chicken and egg. Yeah, but it probably works in both directions, I reckon. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, cadence could be the intervention, or it could be the sign that the intervention's yeah. working. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. That's good. Yeah, I find that's as well clinically like a, a, a relatively easy one for people yeah. to to change, especially if I don't have like like I'm not doing hour long technique no. sessions. I'm yeah, it's like that's right. it's like normally it's just like a little 
add on to yeah. part of my management of yeah. their injury. So yeah. that's an easy one to just quickly go over, write yeah. down some advice, and then touch base, see how they're going with yeah. it. And they can kind of measure that now because everyone's well, yeah I, yeah I easily. Got, mine's mine's that, a bit low tech. I haven't got that yet, but most people now when they buy yeah. Garmin, they can measure in the their consult. Cadence. Normally, I'll be like, yeah, they'll just whip it out. They'll whip yeah. out their Garmin Connect yeah, and show yeah. me um show me the different runs, the different yeah. cadence that, that they're at on yeah. on different runs for different paces. Yeah. yeah, awesome. So we're here in your clinic, Tom, and and normally when someone would come in, and fortunately I'm not actually injured at the moment, but um, I'm I've not had much in the way of I've actually had some I've, I've had a couple of consultations with podiatrists but not in terms of like getting some detailed feedback on what does my foot look like what does my lower limb look like is there anything about those structures yeah. that would tell you anything that might be useful for me in terms of my running and yeah. and managing injuries or just from your experience of looking at it so I, I, yeah. I mean that okay. to me would be like it'd be interesting <laughs> yeah and yeah there's probably a lot of people out there who think oh well you've got a particular type of foot and then that means something in terms of like the shoes that you wear yeah. and that type of stuff and I must admit I don't kind of believe in that because yeah. I don't believe it seems to be based in much, much in the way of science but, yeah. but there's a lot, yeah, of, there's a lot sure. of stuff that you can come across where, oh, you've got this type of foot so therefore yeah. this type of shoe and the classic sort of mm. foot typing and just fitting the shoe which in reality doesn't yeah it doesn't really work yeah um, there just needs to be so much more research it would be nice at, at some point if there could be a easier direction for for us or, or just yeah. people that are working in, in in shoe stores to give um yeah like more evidence-based advice but yeah. it's just being driven by the shoe companies yeah that's um, right making a shoe to fix yeah. something that yeah. isn't is or isn't a problem it's, it's an easy sales model yeah yeah, yeah. it's more <laughs> a sales model i think yeah. yeah it's interesting though having like been there well like a really experienced shoe person not necessarily an expert in mechanics or any kind of clinical thing fits people with shoes and one of the key things that um uh, mark gorski who he's just coaching yeah. with would look at was just get people going on the treadmill and when they started making less noise yeah. It was almost like that was one of the key cues yeah. for, oh, well, that seems to be like a shoe that you're starting to move a little bit more smoothly in yeah. and, you know, basing it on more on how people run rather rather than, yeah. like, what their foot might look like or yeah. anything like and that. And getting, yeah. getting their feedback rather than you telling them, yes. no, that's the shoe, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. shoe. Like, how do you feel in the shoe? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, getting the right shoe for you. I've got a Band-Aid because oh. I've just done some barefoot running. Ah, yes. And, uh, okay, I, I went on to the concrete... Got a, I think I had a little bit too much friction going on there, yep. Tom. So yeah, calluses. There, <laughs> yeah, got some good calluses. So uh, we, you might recall, we foot shamed Lisa, who yeah. had fairly freaky, abnormal. I'm still waiting for her to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't seen them in the flesh. No, seen them in the flesh. Teasing me with the photos. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm not saying my feet are amazing or anything. The one thing I've always thought about my feet is I reckon I've got pretty high arches, perhaps yep. compared to the average punter. And I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what that that means for my for my running. If well, anything, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The interesting thing with the arches is um is it's not just about the arch but what happens to the arch in function so most yeah. people will have in a non-weight bearing setting will have you know relatively good height arch yeah but then it's what happens when they weight uh, bear that okay. is the big thing i'll look for most yeah. of the time because someone might have like yeah a normal an average looking sort of arch but when they 
bear weight on their foot, yeah. it may become a weight-bearing arch or a non-existent arch. So if I stood up and it completely collapsed, <laughs> that would be a problem? And, <laughs> yeah, and so you're, even just looking at you, you're, you're the un- other end of the spectrum where yeah. I'd almost want to see more arch yep. dropping. It's yep. normal for a little bit of, you know, that's, that's a shock absorption yep. mechanism for, for the arch to sort of drop and collapse yep. somewhat. And you've just stood up, and yeah. your foot, if anything, looks like it's actually become your, arch, arch. your medial arch has become <laughs> higher because you're you're yeah, actually yeah. standing kind of laterally. You kind yeah. of you, you're yeah, actually yeah, yeah. you're actually a little bit. like you actually look like you you you're in a supinated foot yep. posture, yep. which is not normal or common. Like the the average foot from all the uh, the, the studies where they looked mm. at the, there's a thing called a foot posture index, mm. so they rate how pronated or supinated a foot is and there's things we look for and the the scale is like uh, from Mm. from 0 to 12 and it can go each way pronated or supinated most people Mm. are pronated so it's actually it's normal to have a slightly pronated foot but you're I guess maybe I'll just call you abnormal or you're just not not as common Uh, where you actually stand and you actually look like you're becoming more supinated and and very I guess on the more rigid side yes and I can tell like because your, your midfoot is so high arched yes you probably like even with the fit of shoes you, you yeah. probably notice that like getting into some shoes yeah. might be tricky because yeah. you, yeah. you take up a lot of volume in there's, the midfoot there's never enough volume in the midfoot I'm always yeah. like loosening up the laces yeah and yeah trying to get my foot you're in someone there. that might benefit sometimes if you don't have the room but you like the shoe with like the skip yeah. lacing so yeah, you just sort yeah. of skip that yeah. midsection and you get, yeah. you get more lace and more room yeah, that's almost like um, the Lydiard lacing system I haven't seen that Arthur Lydiard had a specific method oh, for okay. lacing up shoes it was one of his tricks in his kit bag okay cool um, but yeah it'd be worth looking that up but yeah it definitely involved having the laces running down the length of the foot yes, more than yeah. going across yeah, exactly. crossover yeah. so yeah. it's probably quite similar to what you're describing yeah it sounds, sounds exactly uh, what, what it would be yeah what you're saying about my foot like rings true because I find when I run it never feels like my foot loads and absorbs impact <laughs> very well okay which yeah. is probably you're probably not surprised by that based no. on what you've just said no and funnily enough that when I feel like my foot does load really well and gives me a lot of spring is actually if I like step in a pothole like or the back part of my foot drops <laughs> okay. into the hole so yeah, okay. that, then I feel like oh my foot just like sprung through the ground but yeah. I never generally feel like I get that kind of yeah. pop back even if I was like running barefoot or something I just it just doesn't load yeah. very well um, yeah so you pretend we haven't seen you you're running mm. yet but you're potentially that that rigid foot tie yeah. that hasn't yet yeah, does it sounds like that's you you don't have the shock absorption because yeah. it's actually too rigid yeah and I, most of the people that I've seen here it's it's the other end of the spectrum where they're actually probably hypermobile or they've had yeah. previous like uh, ankle sprains and, and ligament damage which yeah. has created a structural instability yeah and they're probably more unstable in the in the direction of pronation which yep. may be contributing to their symptoms. Yep. And you get the other end of the spectrum to you, which is the person that has a um, no arch. Mm. And it's a, the people out there that have no arch, it's a weight-bearing arch. They're yep. so flat that yep. their, their midfoot joints make contact with the ground. Yep. So that would be like flat feet in yeah. women's terms. Sort of. Yeah, flat, yeah, flat foot. And they also don't have good shock absorption because yep. they're landing in a pronated position and they yep. can't pronate more. Yep. So... It's the same, same kind of thing, like they, they lose shock absorption. So, you, yep. yeah, someone like yourself or the exact mm. other end of the spectrum is also yep. also a problem. And so it's, it's somewhere in between where you have, yeah, a foot that, that has some, some mobility that absorbs mm. some of that impact and then bounces out. But, yeah, 
no one's no one's got the perfect. I haven't seen the perfect foot yet. So everyone can sort of like yeah, like yeah. yourself. You you just you adapt. Your body is probably yes. adapted to handling. You you probably have more of a strategy at the hip or knee yeah. potentially to absorb impact if your yeah. feet can't do that. And I see that clinically. Like some people with, and I'll be interested to see how what happens now when I see you run because sometimes with the, with the foot so so rigid, I'll yeah. see more of the Trendelenburg gait, which is when you get the pelvic drop on the yeah, unsupported yeah. side, and yeah. it's like that's the hips taking some of the shock absorption or the yep. knees might yeah might have more knee flexion or yep. more knee medial collapse towards midline maybe but that's just something i see with people that sometimes have a foot like yours yeah. it's just if you can't absorb shock at the foot you've got to absorb shock somewhere else yeah i think um, the, the particularly in recent times i think the extra knee flexion rings true and i think you know that's good for absorbing shock but it's not great yep. for running fast because i'm getting less stiff yeah. Overall, so yeah, it's kind of like swings and roundabouts with that one. It's yeah. a bit of a head scratcher. It's interesting. It is. Um, yeah, just from looking at you standing. Yeah, <laughs> I know. They, I haven't even moved yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so. all of, all of that rings quite true. And the other thing that I've found over the years is I have to be really careful not to stay on the, the lateral outside edge of my foot. Yeah. Um, and if I'm not thinking about it. I can easily get into a situation where I'm putting a lot of stress through those sort of ligaments on the outside of the ankle yeah. by not pronating at yeah. all and yeah. my foot not loading. Yeah. Um, if, I really, if I concentrate, I can feel like I'm spreading the load a bit more across my foot. But, yeah. um, obviously not as much as someone who had a more flexible yeah. <laughs> arch than I did. Yeah, that's it. Is there anything I can do about that or that's just my arch and that's <laughs> it? That's it. So you're someone that doesn't need foot strength in the exercise. Yeah. But you're already so stable and rigid... Mm. It's not like we need to stabilize through muscular means yep. at the foot level. Yeah. Um, if anything, maybe some of the lower leg muscles, like yeah, like you mentioned, mm. potentially lateral ankle perineals work quite mm. hard. You could work on maintaining the strength of those. Yeah. Or even for you, it's probably more mobility based. So yep. actually want to try and actually get those joints moving a bit yep. more. So yep. the, the subtalar joint is the joint beneath the ankle joint. Yep. And that's what lets the, the rear foot pronate and supinate. Mm-hmm. So you're someone that would waste time doing strengthening, but you could spend a little bit of time doing mobilizing to actually yeah. let that joint pronate more. Yeah. You want to pronate, that joint wants to pronate. So yeah. it's not like, yeah. So you, you could do a simple like little thing, like manual thing where you just actually grab the heel, yeah. pull it out a little bit and try and rock it back and yeah, forth. Yeah. And yeah, okay. little, little things like that might yeah. be... Um, for you spiky more ball yeah spiky maybe. ball so yeah, yeah. releasing the yeah. like straight like spiky ball stuff it, it'll loosen the fascia so like yeah. plantar fascia that yeah. the plantar fascia that sort of stuff keep the plantar fascia more mobile that sort of stuff okay pretty interesting <laughs> and yeah, I'm, footwear I'm, for you would be interesting one as well yeah, because you got a variety of stuff but potentially you are someone that would do better with a bit more cushioning yeah with, I, with the with the runner I've, I do find that like even I have quite liked running in the flat shoes as we talked about like running in the yeah. ultras but I, I found them yeah. to be actually more comfortable to run in than a flat shoe with no cushioning because I've got that little bit yeah. of give and it's a bit more forgiveness for my poor little yeah. stiff feet <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but yeah I've run in like, I've got a cupboard full of shoes like I've pretty yeah. much tried everything so I don't think I don't know if there is a perfect shoe for me, but um, the, the flat cushion ones actually feel feel pretty good. So and that's yeah. only fair, been a fairly recent thing. So yeah, maybe if I persist with those for a little bit longer, I'll um, yeah I might get some good results out of it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The other thing I was consi- I don't know if you've ever heard about um, Earth shoes. They're like a negative drop Yeah, shoe. I have, I have. Uh, yeah. Because when I like stepped in the hole and I got that bounce back, I was like, maybe I should yeah. be like 
cutting the heels off my shoes. It'd probably blow my Achilles tendon if I do that. Yeah, exactly. You just have to be... Oh, yeah, I always wonder that because there must be like a very, very small subpopulation that probably could wear those. Because obviously the the positive drop is so common. Like Mm. every shoe has the positive, but like you never hear of anyone wearing going the other way. There's probably some people that that could. They could adapt to it and get used to it. But yeah, it is risky for... What about me? What could I do? (laughs) Well, maybe this would be another another good uh, topic for the podcast see if Brian tears his Achilles tendon <laughs> in half by wearing yeah so the reason I would recommend against it yeah. or being really really cautious is just because mm. your history of the, the, the calf yeah you just have to be super cautious if you were to, to try something yeah. like that I, I um, confession I actually have I haven't run in them yet but I've yeah. got an old pair of Nike Freeze that I've cut okay. the heel off oh, uh, really? and I thought about going for a jog in them um, but I thought, yeah, I really need to be really careful about that because there's obviously going to be a lot of load going through some areas that are not used to taking load. Especially if you are a heel striker. Yeah. That will be interesting. Yeah. Definitely, it'll definitely be interesting, <laughs> that's for sure. But, yeah. uh, I, I mean, you know, I've, you've probably worked out by now, I love kind of playing around and tinkering yeah. with stuff and I'm not risking anything because I'm not an elite athlete and you know yeah if i hurt myself yeah. a little bit that would be okay but i wouldn't want yeah. to hurt myself to the point where i have to take six weeks off running so i'm still going to be pretty yeah. careful about what i do yeah um, and yeah i've done a bit of barefoot running this morning and obviously that loads up um your yeah. lower legs and stuff so i can yeah. feel that but yeah i'd imagine i'd probably feel that a bit more if i was in a shoe that yeah. is a negative drop shoe yeah but, exactly but I, I reckon like a lot of track spikes almost have that yeah. that effect don't yeah. they yeah, so I think middle you'd be more distance familiar and with running in those middle distance and, mm. and sprint track spikes yeah. probably function negative drop, but then you get to the distance spikes and they're probably just like a zero drop yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, I think I've had middle distance spikes in the past. They, as soon as you're in them, it it's almost like when you walk in it, it feels like when you walk in a cycling shoe, like a cleat, yeah. and you know you've got the thing on the front and you're walking around with the forefoot up the Super heel down. And you feel like your, your Achilles is like about to yeah. snap. Well, that's how I feel when yeah, I walk yeah, around yeah. in a cycling shoe. But yeah, the, those some of those spikes have felt like that in the past. So. Yeah, but once um, you started running, you probably got a bit of extra spring out of them, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as long, I think, yeah, yeah, like as long as you can tolerate that extra load that's mm. going to be put in that area. Like, I mean, the Achilles tendon is the biggest tendon if it can, mm. and it stores elastic energy. So if you can, if it can tolerate it, you probably yeah. will be. Yeah. It's probably uh, uh, what's the word? A um, a rationale for a performance yeah. um, benefit with it, but with that what's the what's the theoretical energy return out of your Achilles I always forget it's some ridiculously high amount of oh, stored energy like oh, 16 even, 16% or something it's probably yeah, a wrong number remember, but, no, but it's yeah, a lot it's some, like, it is, yeah it's high but I yeah. feel like I don't get any of that <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> when I run or very oh, okay. little very little because I mean how yeah. could my Achilles fully stretch unless my foot's kind of flattening out and, yeah. and kind of allowing itself to load up a bit and, yeah it's interesting yeah. so you, you, you've got the sort of foot that could when people come in and they and they because they went when we had that you know barefoot boom and the minimalist yep. boom and it's it's left a bit of a legacy but people are going back to more cushion and a little yep. bit back to more traditional shoes from that boom but yep. it, at that time and still today people ask me if they want to I want to wear a more minimal shoe less mm. cushioning lower drop and someone like yourself with such mm. a stable foot I think mm. it's much much safer mm-hmm. to be able to do that because yep. your foot it's just less likely. Yep. that you'll, you'll overload something at the foot and ankle level. And obviously, yep. I'm a podiatrist, so that's what I'm more focused yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, less likely, whereas someone that just has 
a much more hyper-mobile foot and, and a history of injuries or injuries around there, I've just got to ask them, why do you want to go minimal? Why yeah. is it, is it, what's, what's the reason? Is it, yeah. is it just because you read something on the internet? Yep. Um, because there's a lot, I, like, I think there's a lot of runners that um, can work on technique. So going yep. back to technique and work on their yep. technique and can, can do some cueing and some stuff barefoot, but yep. it doesn't mean they have to become a barefoot runner. They yep. can, I think they can transfer that, that technique with, yep. as long as it's not too ridiculously heavy or over-engineered, but yeah, with, yeah. A, with a more traditional type running shoe. Yep. And then potentially the best of both worlds is that good technique, mm. a shoe that's a little bit protective. Yep. And again, because I'm a podiatrist, foot and ankle, I'm more like, they're coming in with foot and ankle injury, so I'm more mm. likely to suggest or be cautious with minimal when they've actually currently got an injury or have mm. a chronic history of injuries around that area. Yeah. But yeah, you, yeah. Pretty, going back to your feet, sensible. you are you are yeah, a fo- yeah. you do have a foot that I think would have a much safer like an envelope of function where you could yeah. load up and do quite a bit with lower risk than someone else um, of sustaining. Yeah. Uh, and potentially, like yeah, like you're saying, you may you may actually get some mm. yeah, some good benefits from loading or getting more movement through yeah. there. If you feel so blocked yeah. up, you might yeah. actually be able to get some more movement yeah that rings true I yeah i kind of had uh, that hunch and it's nice to <laughs> like that you, i might, might be on the right track i don't know yeah yeah, yeah. like it makes sense like mm. for you like yeah it, it, uh, again depending on your injuries but mm. if, if it was just a, a sort of calf niggle and that yeah. subsides then i think for you the zero drop actually yeah might be something to keep yeah. yeah, to keep pursuing and keep seeing if that is your. Yeah. So I think everyone has kind of like a sweet spot yeah. or a zone, yeah. depending on their experience, their footwear history, whatever. Yeah. Uh, lots of factors, and and like for me, I'm I'm personally on the other end of the spectrum. I yeah. I can't. Long term, I've realised that I can't go low drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, my injury history is like foot and ankle, Achilles, to yeah. post inner tendon, yeah. inner ankle tendon issues. And so I go the other way. I, yeah. I add heel lifts to already yeah. uh, standard yeah. drop running shoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but again, like that just shows you that the variety, the, yeah, the, yeah. there's no blanket recommendations with anything. So it's, you, it's just so hard to, that's the problem. Like if you read anything and you yeah. read something that's a blanket recommendation, everyone should be in a stability shoe everyone, yeah. or everyone should be in a minimal low drop shoe. It's just not going to be true. It's going to be some people that do better in in like less is more. So just getting mm-hmm. out of you know, it's going to be definitely a subpopulation, mm-hmm. probably like yourself, which maybe overall benefit long term. But then there's yeah. going to be people with um, a history of issues or, or foot structural stuff. Yeah. Or the classic is just like even just even just one really bad lateral ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. If you tear a couple of the lateral ligaments, mm-hmm. you didn't do great rehab. Most people don't do the proper. If they either don't see a physio, they yeah. think oh, I'll be right. Or they see a physio and don't fully commit to mm. to four to six months if it's a yeah, bad sprain yeah. Yeah. of rehabbing it. You kind of have some permanent structural changes, and um, footwear then can play a role in mitigating some of the abnormal stresses or mechanics that might yeah. be there long term after something like that. Yeah, and I've been wearing occasionally my um, toe spreaders. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> your toes look pretty spread. Yeah, look, right they have actually. Uh, I've only worn the ones that you're supposed to wear in your shoes a little bit walking around. But I reckon yeah. the one thing that worked really easily, which is a far cheaper option, was I just stole my wife's um, little toe spreaders for putting no, um, <laughs> nail polish. Yeah, yeah, to- foam, yeah foam just the foam ones. Yeah. And just wore them to bed. And yeah. like just having them in just seemed to like yeah. loosen up 
the mu- and I think we were having yeah. that conversation about just trying to loosen up yeah. um, the muscle tension there just to yeah. allow your toes to spread back out and it feels like they have and it looks yeah. like they have spread out a little yeah. bit um, and that didn't take much time for that to actually yeah. happen which I was, I was pretty surprised about so were they were they more in and less spread yeah definitely and particularly if I yeah were taking them they were much more bunched up before and yeah. I wouldn't have been able to get that get that spread happening that is one like one thing that I, I hate about the fact that shoes just yeah. taper the toes yeah. and, and you lose that natural splay over over time like if you have kids you, you can you look at when they're when they're yeah, infants yeah. or toddlers the widest part of the foot is yeah. the outside of the, yeah. the toes yeah. from the big toe to the, the little toe and then it just goes back into a triangle to the heel yeah. but then it becomes a point where your widest point by far is the ball of the joint yeah, and the toes yeah. just get squashed together yeah. and primarily I think that's footwear definitely uh, particularly fortunately it's, it's, it's fashion and yeah. it's, it's particularly women's fashion but yeah. men too like yeah, men's dress totally. shoes yeah, yeah, I know. men's dress shoes are like a, almost like a women's point it's yeah. just they're really tapered so yeah. I've been um, about 15 years wearing men's dress shoes <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> it doesn't yeah. do you any good yeah but it's, it's a huge problem because mm. no one wants to, to wear like I, I you know, I'll go through, I'll try and give people options of shoes that are a bit better, but still yep. look like, yep. not like a, an orthopedic, you know, the yep. shoe that looks terrible, but um, it's just, so really the, the, what you're doing is probably a good strategy of just mm. trying to minimize or, or reduce the damage of yep. previous use yep. or even current use if you yep. still wear shoes like that. Try just, not to. Just try, yeah, yeah. But, but just mm. then giving it time to lay and, and stretch mm. what you've just been kept you know yep. uh, or restricted for, for the yep. day yeah um, it's pretty interesting actually we um, checked out Lisa's husband foot this morning and he's oh, yeah. actually got like a diamond shaped foot his third oh. toe is actually longer than his big toe and so oh. is, so is the um, the first toe so he's his, his longest point is actually sort of in the middle so, of his yeah. foot. So he's got the foot shape that might yeah. actually suit those points. <laughs> well, <laughs> mate, if the point was in the middle, but it probably tends to be, I don't know, a bit sort of splayed. But, yeah, he had a lot of problems with his yeah. toenails after the um, New oh. York Marathon. Oh, okay. So he just smashed his toenails. Yeah. And I suspect part of the reason for that is the tapering oh, around yeah. the shoe. Yeah. And, yeah, he probably some would benefit from a wider toe box to yeah. allow that third toe a bit more space yeah there's even a lot of running forward. shoes that just taper taper yeah. too much very interesting so what else would you normally so yeah normally well, normally what I would do is yep. I do a non-weight bearing assessment yep. so I get them up on the bench start from the pretty much from the toes down yep. working my way the joints down the forefoot to midfoot to rear yep. foot and just checking for mostly mobility looking at the callus patterns always interest you people have got abnormal callus patterns i think you, you noticed that you i had a few calluses going on but yeah you got quite a few i used to get um, quite big ones there that i had to file off that's kind of eased up a little bit but uh, let's just have a little look if you want to maybe slide back a little tom's bravely looking at my feet i have had a shower after my barefoot running <laughs> so it should be okay much appreciated yeah. i'm well used to it caught up with Kevin the physio last week and he said he sometimes assesses people at the end of their long runs and I said man you are brave (laughs) you just get immune to it like people I don't I've never like I pretty much never can smell a foot yeah because yeah obviously you you get used to it (laughs) I wouldn't know if someone has a smelly foot that's a bit it's a bit bizarre but like I I just I can't smell feet anymore alright that's probably a a good thing in your occupation I would imagine yeah yeah so you've got pretty pretty stiff joints yeah all the midfoot joints are really 
quite stiff. Your rear foot's okay, so that subtalar joint that lets the yep. foot pronate and supinate, it's not super stiff. It's on the stiff yeah, end, yeah. but... Not crazy. Yeah, so really, you've got pretty good feet. Okay. And uh, have you? what's your history with foot and ankle injuries with running? I, I don't reckon I've actually had any proper foot injuries. The only time that I did any damage to my feet was um, in a failed attempt to... Um, in my early days of technique experimenting, trying to run forefoot. Uh, I used yep. to like slam my um, metatarsals into the ground with kind of like a quite a stiff foot because I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and that would just kind of like cause a bit of bruising. I, yeah, pain's a great teacher, so I desisted from doing that very quickly because if, if I kept going with it, I would probably have ended up with metatarsal stress fractures. But yes, um, yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I've never, I've never twisted an ankle. Um, okay. Uh, I've never really had anything wrong with my feet. I don't think I've ever had any plantar fasciitis or anything like that. Um, yeah, probably the closest thing to my foot um, before I started fooling around with technique was I used to get a lot of um, medial tibial stress kind of pain. Ah, okay. At times that had been so bad where you know almost feel like you've got a stress fracture in your shin and have to take six weeks off running, which is not much fun. But yeah, fortunately I haven't had those issues. For was that helped with um, with your technique change? I think so. Yeah, I think the focus on you know, glute strength and activation means that I'm, if I'm, even if I'm not loading that well at the moment, I'm more stable than I used to be. So there's probably less um, twisting forces, I reckon, going yeah. th going through my lower limb. So your your left, your, your feet are a bit different left and right. Yep. So your left foot does look like it might actually be a little bit more unstable laterally. Okay. Um, Interesting. It's just that the rear foot joint's a little bit stiffer, and it's yep. just in rest. It's sitting in a more inverted or supinated yep. position. Yeah. Um, no one's hundred. No one's hundred percent symmetrical. So yep. I'm not. Again, like uh, my concern would be if there was a, an injury yep. that might be related to that asymmetry. Yeah. Um, because people like leg length differences. Yeah. No, no one's got. No one's legs are hundred percent structurally the same. Leg length differences are quite common and. Um, yep. Unless it's huge or there's symptoms yeah. um, associated, the body normally is quite good at adapting, and yeah, yeah it wouldn't really try and intervene unless yeah. had, had to, and body couldn't adapt unless yeah. it was crazy different, like yeah. five centimeters or something. Yeah, the classic one would be like yeah. if someone's had hip surgery and they yeah, just made yeah. it like yeah, like okay. five centimeters shorter or something yeah. like that. You, you normally don't see anything more than a couple of centimeters unless there's surgery mm. involved or a bad uh, injury that's yeah. changed the growth plate when they were yep. younger or something like that yeah um, mm. but I've seen people like up to two centimeters difference that haven't uh, seemingly had any issues that might be related to that yep the interesting one is like um, track runners and I've seen some elite track runners that mm. have the longer leg as their right leg oh, and yeah. um, potentially yeah. that's a really good advantage for, yeah. the band, for running bands pushing them around the corner yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. I wouldn't want to counter that if, I mean yeah unless you had to because it might uh, affect, yeah. affect their performance yeah good cornering athlete yeah exactly that's probably something they should screen for at high performance institutes <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah that's be right. a good bend runner put, just put bone stimulators on, on yeah, the, you know, yeah, when yeah. they're young and they're kids on the that's <laughs> right make, make it grow make it grow, grow a longer, longer. Yeah. yeah so yeah normally then I would just um, 
look at doing some functional things like getting a standing, yep. doing yep. a single leg balance, yep. single leg squat. Yeah. Um, actively, someone like yourself, I would try and get you to actively pronate just to see yep. how much you can. Why don't I try and do that? Yeah. So what would I actually do? Would I just kind of like try and push my ankle sort of in? Yeah. Be, so you right? just you roll in, uh, push the ankles in, and lift the outside borders of the feet off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, like that. So. And you've got the capacity to pronate quite well, so it's not yeah. you haven't got the super rigid yeah. inability to pronate. So yeah, you kind of you kind of come in here with a pretty uh, pretty good foot. Nothing okay. too exciting. Like it's yeah, probably right. it's, it's probably quite a well functioning foot. Yeah. Um. Uh, within yeah a, a, yeah a range that I think is quite um. Well, yeah, probably why you haven't had many issues to be yeah. honest. Just because you've got you yeah. essentially you've got you, your parents have given you good feet. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I wish they would be a bit bigger. I feel like that would give me a longer lever to spring off, but I don't know yeah. if there's anything in that. You've got quite big feet, Tom, obviously. Yeah, but then uh, the downside of that is then the added weight uh, of the foot at the end of a uh, long lever. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, so I'm yeah. very, yeah. You reckon it might be a disadvantage? I don't know. I'd take the biggest spring myself. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, I was chatting to some guys the other day about that. About there, were, there, did, there was a study on the ratios between yeah. the ankle joint and the Achilles and all that sort of stuff and and potentially you get you can store more elastic energy with the bigger yeah. lever yeah. or the bigger foot or the or the ankle joint closer to the Achilles. Yeah. And then I was thinking like when you think about like say kangaroo, yeah. and you think of like their ankle joint to their forefoot joint compared to the ankle joint to the Achilles, it's yeah. like they must store and obviously their Achilles yeah. is just the biggest out of any probably um, animal is, yeah. is just a ridiculous amount of yes. stored elastic energy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe it helps me. It's, it's a big spring. With my big feet. Yeah. Um, well, we certainly run pretty fast, so I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> it's just there's, there's something. It's just a feet. It's just a feet. Got big pedals. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then, um, well, let's just do a single leg squat. Then let's sure. just um, yeah, just lift one leg up yep. and just squatting down for me. Try and get as low as you can comfortably. Yeah. Is that it? It's almost it. My um okay. my. <laughs> Don't have great range through my ankle joints, so I'm guessing. But and then back up again, and uh, another couple of times. Uh, and then, what do you feel? That's so you're not getting you're not getting very low. Yeah. Um, you look like you're kind of. Or is it, what do you feel is is stopping you? From uh, I think it's actually. Let's see if I can get a bit lower. Hang on, probably a little bit lower now. Now I reckon it's starting to pull on my Achilles okay. and soleus. Okay. So I reckon. So it's not a blockage at the front of the ankle. No, it doesn't feel like it. At the back. Although I reckon if I went much further, it probably would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, not much range. Let's see. Although it looks it. still quite even, like you're sort yeah. of in terms of the the range of the ankle versus the knee versus the hip. Because some people have like a strategy where they're really restricted in yeah. one joint and then over exaggerate motion in other joints. But it's kind of all in symmetry, kind of restricted. Well, it's kind of minimal range all through. I'm just restricted everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. So, I'd I'd get you. Normally, what I do is mm-hmm. walking in the hallway, mm-hmm. running in the hallway, walking on the treadmill, running yeah. in the treadmill, or barefoot. Because I just yeah. want to make sure that barefoots uh, overground is not too different to treadmill but then the treadmill has the benefit of me being close up you on the spot and I can see closely what's going on I would film it play it back slow motion to pick up any sort of um, more more for running because things are happening a bit quicker so we can 
playback and just basically looking for again it's always I always relate what I'm looking yeah. for in gate to the injury to see if there's something that you know uh, is might be perpetual yeah. like I look a lot of the time I'm looking for biomechanical factors so there's yeah. anatomical and then biomechanical yeah. um, because my advice my expertise being uh, like uh, foot, mechanical interventions like, like mm. footwear and, and orthoses that yeah. still, there is a still place for orthoses for a lot of runners that yeah. have again abnormal mechanics that might be a factor or a reason why they can't do the training like it seems like the training load for them yeah. is they're more likely to get injured than the same training load for someone else. Yep. And obviously the driver for injury is training load. So mm-hmm. you're not going to get a running injury if you're not running. Yep. Um, you're not going to get medial tibial stress if you're not running. It's a yep. running injury. Yep. So it's obviously the load that drives it, but there's all these other factors that mm. feed into that and then make that you not be able to handle the same load as someone else before that structure yep. getting injured. So what I, my, I guess my expertise would be just trying to find um, yep. if there is any significant biomechanical thing that's going on, whether that's something that can or can't be changed. So yeah. if it's a structural thing that can't be fixed through stretch, stretching, strengthening, yes. um, rehabbing, yep. you know, all that sort of stuff, then that's where, okay, if you can't achieve that change, maybe you need to look at using this sort of footwear mm-hmm. or trying this this trial and over-the-counter orthosis, yep. see if that you know has feels it comfortable, does it feel yep. better, do you feel like yep. uh, you're moving better, do you feel like you have less pain if they're currently yep. in pain? And you can do that straight away. Sometimes we'll, we'll do a bit of a treatment direction where I'll, I'll strap them or I'll put mm. a, a pre-made orthosis in the shoe, yep. get them back out there running, and sometimes if you get a, an immediate pain response or reduction, yep. then you know you're in the right heading yep. in the right direction. And then it would be, for some, it would be like... Um, yeah, so let's go back to the assessment. So it's bi- yeah. yeah, so I'm just looking for that biomechanical um, yep. thing that might be contributing yeah, yeah. to that symptom. You know what I was thinking of doing? Um, I'm a bit tapped out today because I've done a fairly large barefoot running yeah. session this morning, but I'm going to film myself from a few different perspectives and yeah. maybe send that to you to have a yeah. bit of a look at That'd be good. Um, just on the treadmill because that's easy. Um, yeah. Maybe if I can go to the track, I might get a little bit just running up and yeah. down over ground as well. Perfect. So but normally yeah. the, the best would be like rear, rear view. Yep. Uh, the two main ones would be rear view and side view. Yep. If you can get a front view, but that'd be all right. But yeah, normally I just the, the rear the rear view and the side view. Yeah, yep. definitely be good yep. to multiple perspectives good to see. And that kind of um, anatomy and biomechanical factors, like that's something that um it's really starting to interest me a little bit more because yep. I got a tiny little bit of background in strength training and other things. And there's some people in that world who pay a lot of attention to like the proportions of you know people with long femurs for example which is me can't squat that easily so you know interventions for strength training for them might be you know load up their heels a bit more um get their heels up a little bit more um so that they can squat a bit deeper for example um and maybe that's potentially true for someone like me who's got inflexible ankles as well where you could yeah. get a bit more range and like if you jacked up my foot I'd be able to squat deeper than yeah. what I just yeah, exactly. demonstrated yeah, to exactly. you so yeah. those kind of factors have a place in like in the gym and they yeah. they probably equally have a place in like how you end up moving because you've got those yeah. you know, I've got long thighs yeah, someone else got yeah. short thighs they're yeah. going to move slightly differently yeah. your ankles are more flexible mine are stiff yeah. you know there's yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. is potentially going to influence the way that you run yes um, yeah. 
Yeah, and that's I think that's a big reason why there's no mm-hmm. like ideal like going to like say for example picking one one facet of technique yeah. is the foot strike. Yeah, and I think that's why there is no perfect yeah. foot strike because yeah. some people will have they just won't have the physiological range in the ankle yeah. to heel strike. And of course, they're a four foot striker because if you try and do a, a knee to wall lunge test, they can't. Their foot's at the wall. Mm. They lunge in. Their knee can't touch the wall. They're yeah. so restricted. Yeah. Um, there's no way you'd ever be able to get them to heel strike. Yeah. Uh, and then the other end of the spectrum, if someone's just yeah really hypermobile, yeah. Um, or they've got they've got that range and they prefer using that range and mm. they find it's whatever that's their more their natural um, yeah. uh, propensity to heel strike. Yeah. It might be very hard for them to four foot strike, and it may not be. A, it, yeah. Or for a lot of people, I don't think it's a, it's going to be an appropriate strategy to four foot strike yeah. if they just don't have the strength or the anatomy mm. to to do it. And yeah. it's kind of kind of interesting. Like I mentioned at the start, uh, I had had a consult with a, a sports pod in the past, and that was like right at the beginning when I started messing around with my technique and. Yeah. He actually got me in like a four-mil heel raise for a while, okay. and probably in response to, you know, what we've just looked at with, you know, foot and ankle, yeah. and he had a bit of a look at me running, and look, that strategy, it worked quite well for a time, but yeah. ultimately I started to feel a little bit unstable with the um, with the extra yeah. heel raise in there. It just didn't feel as nice. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just go. I'm not saying that was wrong, yeah, like because yeah. it actually worked, and I ran really yeah. fast with um, and didn't get injured for for a period of time yeah. with that in there. But equally, I can see now that I could go to like a flat cushion shoe strategy, and that might be equally yeah. as yeah. effective. So sometimes, yeah. you know, maybe there's no exact right answer. You yeah. just have to try a few things and yeah. find something Did you that see works. Him, well, obviously, had an injury at the time. Uh, yeah, I was coming off coming off an injury, um, but I was trying to. That was the very beginning of trying to actually change the way that I was moving. Okay. Um, and I remember his advice was. Um, I'm doing this to help you get over your foot, um, yeah. and I, yeah, I never really quite understood exactly yeah. where he was coming from with that. But yeah. it certainly allowed me to move in a way that I think got my body weight pushing a little bit more forward. Yeah, um, uh, and you know, it it worked. Yeah. So um, it is interesting that you can yeah. you can you could try different things and. All of them might work, or a couple of things might work, but yeah. something else might not. It's interesting um, how you, you you felt like would you say unstable? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. and it just didn't. Because that's what I always say. Like, yeah, it's it, like with the shoe fitting thing. Yeah. Like when you're trying on shoes, like just your perception of, yeah. of um, and I guess it's easier for more experienced runners to know yeah. what does and doesn't feel good. It's a bit harder yes. with people that are just picking up running; they don't know what yeah. it should feel like, but. The more you run, I think, the more you can let the runner. And yeah. I, you know, if I put a heel lift in someone's shoe, normally what I would say is, uh, I prefer you not to even know that it's there. If you're like, yeah. oh whoa, he's just put a yeah, huge heel yeah, lift, yeah. and then I'm like, they're running. Yeah. I'm like, I really know, I really know yeah. about this heel lift. Yeah, I'm more cautious. I'm like, well, let's yeah. try and win off that because yeah. that's a you're feeling like quite a big response. Whereas yeah. I have some runners that I'll put like a you know a significant heel lift in, and they run. They're like, oh feels exactly the same i don't yeah, even feel yeah, it in yeah. there yeah and I'm, I'm way i'm a lot more um i'm a lot more that makes sense confident in them using it yeah for it and for it being beneficial uh than it causing them any other issues yeah uh and normally what it is is i'm trying to unload something for example yeah. they've got chronic achilles issues and they want to yeah. keep running which maybe try and deload it with a heel lift yep but like with anything, if you change something, you might then decrease yeah, load to one area, but increase else. it somewhere else. Yeah. 
And I feel like if they're really aware of that heel lift, it might be more likely that their knee is not going to like it in the yeah. next four to six weeks. Yeah. Um, if they don't know about it, it probably means the yeah. Achilles might like it and the knee will be like, yeah, it's fine, I can handle that. Yeah. Uh, and the overall benefit might be there more of a medium or even yeah. long-term strategy for them sometimes to use to yeah. have more drop or more under the heel. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if for you it sounds like it was a short-term strategy yeah. maybe to help with the issues you were yeah. having, getting back to it, and then probably didn't need it after a certain time. And yeah, sort probably of get, not. Get, get out of it. It definitely did allow me to run with what I describe as a slightly different pattern in my, in my mind. And it was probably something the best way to describe it would probably be almost like what you would do if you're running backwards um so like the foot 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 and ankle like coming up and down um and i could because i had the extra heel yeah i felt like i probably could get a little bit more loading there but if i run with more of a what i would describe as like the a skip pattern or like if you're about to step upstairs it feels more natural and better for me to have a flat shoe yeah um, but if i'm going that way like an elevated heel okay. actually feels better um and it probably is doing your head in um me describing that but for, for someone who's not a very good runner who's played around with it a lot yeah like you can i can have a couple of different schemes going in my mind that will probably look quite similar from the outside but they feel very different, um, certainly in terms yeah. of the way that I'm getting over the ground, and um, yeah. probably, and they feel a lot different, you know, in my body as well. Like it just yeah. feels like I'm using some muscles more than others, um, yeah. various bits of effect. So, yeah, so that's part of the puzzle that I'm working on at the moment. Is do I go back to that pattern that I was using when I had the heel lifts, or do I persist with 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 the other method, um, which seems to work better with with the flat shoes and yeah. Uh, I think I'm probably going to give the flat shoe strategy a, a try for a while because yeah. um, the other one I gave that a good go like I did like a 12 week training block in yeah. that and ran well off it yeah. um, so just now see see what I can do maybe with the yeah. with the other other strategy and wearing the flat shoes a bit more yeah and, um, I, I, yeah, I think mm. um, certainly by looking at your feet I don't I'm not worried about that yeah. yeah yeah and the interesting thing that you have done is you you've gone zero drop you're in those flatter yep. but some of them right like the ultras are yeah, cushioned they are yeah because i think that's a big factor if you go yep. from a cushioned high drop to a non-cushioned low drop that's yep. a double whammy yep. of change in characteristics yep. whereas you've just dro- lowered the drop kept kept yep. a lot of cushion yeah and i think you can people can handle a lower drop if there's a lot of cushion yeah if they can't handle the lower drop as easily if they've taken out the cushioning yeah. as well and i think that's why things like hockers Yep. work yep. Um, and, and a relatively easy appeal to transition to from yep. even from like a 12 if people are used to running in say I don't know like whatever a, a, a Kayano Asics Kayano with a 12 yeah. mil drop and they go to a to one of their models which is 4 or 5 mil so mm-hmm. less than half the drop mm-hmm. and most people don't have a problem their Achilles mm-hmm. and, and feet can handle yep. it I think it's just the cush- just cushioning the cushioning um, makes a big difference yeah, yeah. it makes a big difference mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, if I'm doing a little bit of barefoot, and I don't do heaps, but I can do it much more comfortably if I'm on like a nice soft grass oval. Yeah. So grass barefoot. Yeah. It's just yeah. If I go yeah, onto yeah. concrete, which you know, some people would say that's like a, a great thing to practice your running technique. But if you haven't got the mechanics to be able to do that, then it yeah. might not be all that all that good in the long term. <laughs> I um, yeah. I on feel, the grass, I feel uncomfortable watching yeah. people run on on, yeah, on yeah. concrete barefoot. Yeah. I feel I get a shudder down my yeah. spine. Yeah. Well, look, if you're doing anything wrong, you're certainly going to know about it, and it's a question yeah. of can yeah. you, 
like it, it's I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do because it works for some people yeah. um, but it's probably going to work better for people that have got the, the functional range or the anatomy yeah. and, and the skill because running's yeah. like is it I think don't think people talk about running as a skill enough like yeah. if you're skillful yeah. enough to adapt to that stimulus and make adjustments quickly yeah. enough before you get injured then yeah, it's probably yeah. going to work for you but yeah. um, if you're less proficient then yeah. you're probably not going to be able to do a huge amount on a hard surface yeah, yeah I agree totally um, yeah. You, you, yeah, you've seen this. There's like there's studies with um, people. They do the gait. They're looking at the gait from people changing from traditional cushion shoe to yeah. minimal shoes. Yeah. And a lot of that percentage of people, um, they don't change the way they run. So yeah. it's not like just changing is going to help yeah. with your technique. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it's exactly the point. You can't just change your shoe and think it's going to improve your technique. Yeah. Um, it's a skill you got to learn. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so strategies like that, like yeah. taking the shoe off, but then cues to yeah. to improve and then I think mm. yeah yeah it's just that's it if you don't change and you just reduce the cushioning yeah. or do things that you think will help the technique but you don't work on the technique you're yeah. going to get injured I think you're yeah. much more likely to get injured yeah um, I'll tell you the other thing I'm doing at the moment and because I've had five and a half weeks off after the marathon I'm at the moment just doing walk run yeah um, and because I'm going to be now fooling around with my technique a little bit and changing yeah. my shoes I'm not going to be doing any substantial volume um, yeah. probably for at least another six weeks so yeah next few weeks I'm just going to be walk to walk running and the, the walk, I find the walk run effective because when you're walking you get a chance to stop lower your heart rate um, reset what it is that you were trying to do yeah. running wise and it's a bit similar I've seen like AFL players they're desperately trying to get their heart rate down before they take a shot for goal because it's like a skill and uh, you know yeah. and same yeah. with like those um uh, the shoot what are they the biathlon where they do the shooting off the skis yeah so like yeah. go like maniacs cross-country skiing and then they've got to stop and shoot a target and for them to like do that with a lot of proficiency they're really trying to get their heart rate down so yeah. doing the walk yeah. run having a rest heart rate lowers you're going to be able to be more skillful when you yeah. when you start up again so yeah I'm, I'm using that as a as a strategy and i'm using my mafetone limit as the that's okay. when i yeah. that's when i should stop running so I might yeah. run for two minutes and go, yeah, okay, I'm getting pushing up towards my aerobic limit, so I'll use that as my cue to yeah. stop and have a walk and yeah. go back down to 100 and then start yeah. again. So uh, Definitely a safe way. If you've got the time mm. to, to put into that yeah. without anything pressing, yeah. then yeah. definitely the, that's yeah. a good... Yeah, it sounds good. I'm lucky. I'm not trying to qualify for the <laughs> World Championships no. or anything. So so there's no, there's no pressing timeline for me. Um, other than I've got the feeling that Lisa and I might end up having a bit of a face-off over 5K at some <laughs> yeah. point. So, Sounds like so it, yeah. I'll have, to, um, Sounds like it. I'll have to get up and running for that. <laughs> you, have to have a, uh, uh, you have to lock in a head-to-head. Yeah, I think I think, I, you gotta... I think she wants that. I'm, I'm thinking maybe I should avoid it. But, <laughs> but who knows, yeah. it might bring out the best in us. I'm, I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. well, that's good, Tom. I've, I know we've talked about a lot of different stuff there, but... Um, I certainly yeah, find it interesting. I reckon there'll be some running technique nerds out there who find I, I, that. I, I hope so. I hope so. I hope it's not too. Uh, yeah, it's probably boring for a lot of people. But if you're, uh, hopefully yeah. they're into their running and yeah, that it's interesting. Stuff. Well, it's yeah. definitely it's definitely uh, you know it's good to look at all possibilities. And I guess the thing I've found is I've gone on this journey of changing things and messing around that like you'll get something different by seeing different professionals. Yeah. Um, so I've got some yeah. information from you that I've never had before, okay. which is fantastic. Oh, so I go away oh, having learned like probably you know four <laughs> or five things 
um, you know, go and see a physio, I'll get something different from yeah. them, or you know, yeah. go and see a coach, I'll get something different from yeah. them. So, yeah. you know, it's probably good for people to not so much shop around, but at least get yeah. some different perspectives so that yeah, they, um, uh, yeah, just got full range of knowledge. Even even mm. within the health profession, mm. even just yeah, seeing another like if you see. Yep. three different podiatrists yep. you'll, you'll probably get three, three different yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it's probably the same with physio yeah. like yeah. from what I've Definitely. seen it's it's if yeah you find a good person that seems to work well you can stick with them but if if um, yeah I think it's yeah for mm. a lot of people particularly if things aren't heading in the right direction it, it, yeah. it doesn't hurt to at least it's not like you're abandoning your practitioner but just no. getting another opinion yep. but yeah like what you're doing just, mm. you just get more information you can decide yep. on um, what yeah. You, you incorporate all that information yeah. and just try and decide what you feel like is going to be yes. most helpful. Yeah. It's like it's always what I do with people that are considering um, foot and ankle surgery and like yeah, if I'm referring okay. them to, to consider it, I'm so, I say it's foot and ankle surgery. You don't want to go into it lightly. See no. at least two different surgeons. Yeah. Get Have a chat. To, yeah. uh, ask them what their proposed surgery because there's different surgeries mm. for different things and some may have you know, there might be four different surgeries for the same pathology, and mm-hmm. uh, see at least two, and then mm-hmm. you can make up your mind which direction do you want to go. What, who are yep. you most, most comfortable with? Who did yep. you click with? And who do you, do you who be more comfortable with with yep. your, that management? Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, that's a pretty extreme example. But it's a, if you're yep. if you're a runner and you 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 got a running injury, that's yep. kind of pretty devastating yeah. as well. And you want to get on top of it, and yep. a couple of different opinions can be really helpful. Cool. Tom DeCanto, thanks very much for your time. Right. It's been awesome. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, Thank no, you. That was great. I'll, I'll hit the stop button now so we can like talk about stuff that we would never put on the podcast. <laughs>